somewhere in the Houston Midtown area. It's the Sit Down with Slick Vic. Welcome everyone to the Sit Down with Slick Vic. First of all, I just want to apologize. It's been so long. It's been too long. Um, you know, you got you live life. Things happen. Things change. Jobs change. And then you get lost into life, and then you don't really have time to sit down. And then you actually do sit down to do an episode, but it was just so terrible because your uh, guest decided to just get a little bit too intoxicated. And that guest is sitting right next to me. Yeah. Cheese man, it's uh, <laughs> Mr. Ivan Lorenzo Vega. Cheese man, I'm glad to finally have you back. Well, for the second time, really the first time to the viewers because of... Uh, we all know what happened. Well, we, actually, we don't all know. You and I know. You and oh, I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so, I mean, while we're bus throwing, uh, you know, I have, I have a, I guess, uh, I guess I have mental health problems. So uh, I kind of get faded a lot. And, uh, and Vic sprung an episode on me. Um, really post like post um medication and uh well you know here we are in the at the more sword the middle you know part of that process and we're hoping to you know find something better well geez it's been uh how long has it been since we hung out about a week two weeks no i mean like a week a week yeah we do a solid week each week Solid week. Okay. I mean, a solid day each week. Um, what's going on with you, man? Any any new thing you want to report? Uh, obviously, not too private. We can always talk about that off the air. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm. Uh, I got an amazing opportunity to uh, to to go stage with those boys over at Indigo. Indigo, Indigo. Not too familiar with Indigo. Please enlighten us. Uh, okay, well, Chef Johnny uh, is out there off of Cross Timbers, and uh, he's in a, a neighborhood that is, um, it's not your typical kind of neighborhood where you would have a, a fine dining uh, restaurant. Uh, well, I mean, I, maybe a little background on Chef Johnny. Uh, he's a former chef from Oxheart. Um He's a he's a young star, dude's like twenty eight, and uh, he's he grew up in that area, in the area where he has a restaurant now, um, and he's also built his restaurant there. They're trying to eventually become sustainable uh, in terms of uh, where their food comes from. They want it to be all internal, and uh, the culinary. Uh, experience that he uh, that he presents is one that is full of rich narratives of African American uh, culture and and indigenous people's culture and and uh, uh, there's a lot of untold stories in food that you just don't uh, you lose you lose the thread of it in history. It, just it becomes mass produced it loses its nuance it's no longer uh, 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 a ritual um, and chef Johnny is 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 bringing back those deep deep stories like uh, you know stories of of like of 
of of squash of the way you know squash's place in in a in indigenous people's diets or um uh all there's just all kinds of examples of 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 uh, of the interesting food and, and stories that he's doing what made you want to go over there did you hear anything about it or what what uh what was your motivation behind uh, going to that restaurant? Um, I like to think of myself as a little bit of a storyteller. And finding someone that's managed to take his craft uh, so high that it transcends just eating and it's informing you. And, and if you're listening, it's enriching you. And so it, feel, it feels like someone, it, it feels like he's doing a little bit of both writing and, and serving, uh, cooking a meal, cooking something uh, that would be like considered low country tradition and presenting it on the same, on the same par as, uh, you know, French culinary techniques or Italian or, you know, whatever the latest big food culture craze could be now you are a obviously very passionate about food um ironically enough our friendship started with food <laughs> yeah it sure did huh i recall <laughs> a hungry boy forgot that uh we were doing toss testing i believe it was the 7th grade or 8th grade 7th grade <clears throat> science so, portion science portion of the test test uh it's like this standardized testing here in the state of texas and uh we weren't getting any lunch from the cafeteria this particular day they're no we were told to bring our lunches and of course i forgot and i'm sitting there hungry and uh this guy well i guess this little kid next to me was like hey man uh, you could have half of mine. And if I recall correctly, turkey breast and ham? It was turkey breast and ham. Yeah, yeah. It was delicious. <laughs> but I think the only reason we're sitting next to each other because our last names. Beltran. Cheese Man. Yeah. Right after that. So that's where it began, over a sandwich. We realized, I don't know if it was then or if it was later, we had... Uh, similar classes just different hours like there was like yeah 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 like half half took them this teacher at this time the other half took the other teacher at the other time but it was our mutual friend that kind of brought us closer together but we kind of knew each other from the sandwich yeah <laughs> <laughs> it all began with the sandwich yeah we never even really like had a class together we just kind of grew up together that's yeah. I don't, I don't think we actually yeah. actually you know what we did have a class together, Miss Markowitz. History. History. Uh, histoire. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, then we went our separate ways after that. You know, mm -hmm. you tried to what well, you did went to Kerr, mm -hmm. which kind of ended tragically. Uh yeah yeah I mean it wasn't yeah no that was bad <laughs> yeah. How did, how did that end up? Uh, okay, so uh, 
a buddy of ours was giving us a ride to school. Uh, it was me and Henry Morgan and Mark Arms and and uh, and uh, Mark gives us a blunt to smoke for giving him a ride. Oh, uh, Orlando Mendoza, not Henry Morgan. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so uh, he gives us a blunt to smoke and he hooks up with his girl while we're smoking out in the car outside. And uh, they come out like 20 minutes later. We're all, we're all late for class, obviously. Uh, the car reeks and we we all go to our our classes and a dog is called smells the bud in the car and we all get called to the front office and uh uh i'd like to say that i fell on my sword but uh, every, i mean everyone kind of like everyone's like come on cheese like we gave you this blunt and it was kind of true you know <laughs> so uh so they found drugs in somebody else's car not your bu- car it was a it was a doobie not but it was not your car right yeah you took the fall yeah i took, I took, the, I took the fall what is wrong with you well, <laughs> i was a c student everybody else was a well mark was like a b and c student but orlando he was an a student you have to be you got bullied they bullied you yeah, yeah, yeah. I got bullied. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at bullying itself. I'm simply just <laughs> laughing in the situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then I went to ALC, Alternative Learning Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it was like mini prison. It was like mini little baby prison. But, <laughs> you know, you got you went in there and they took your shoelaces and your belt. And you had to carry everything around in like these tubs, <laughs> <laughs> see-through tubs. No, I think it was just tub. Maybe, maybe it was crates. Oh fuck, it might have been like milk crates or something <laughs> stupid. Uh, so for the first time at, for, of my time at Kerr, I started making straight A's. And um, now was the curriculum as advanced? Yeah, yeah. There were some advance. I think I by sophomore year I had dropped uh like math and and whatever science stuff that was advanced. It was just like English and history at that point. Oh, you're referring to after ALC, not at ALC. At ALC, at ALC. Is so it, so but, I started making straight A's. Basically got ahead for the first time <laughs> in in my time at Kerr. I'd always been a C student for fucking around, smoking pot and Trying to hook up with nerd girls and, you know, having little pussy fights with each other, a little pussy fight club. And we were just being stupid, man. We were just being retarded. Um, so that was the real reason that the next thing that happened happened, which was uh, there's this a lot of time that you're supposed to be uh, enrolled in a school at, at the end of the year, the beginning of the year. And if you uh, go past that time, it immediately goes to your your originally assigned school. And Kerr was a school that you had to apply to. And uh, so this was designed so I wouldn't be able to come back to Kerr, even though my offense wasn't... Like, there had been precedent. Like, like oh, that was a thing. Orlando and Henry got caught with acid on fucking... So, you know, this was like our group of people. We were all fucking doing dumbass stuff. Anyway, end up going to regular public school. 
Started smoking way more weed. Uh, this was after ALC. Had, had excellent relationships with teachers at ALC, by the way. Like the, they were giving me books and stuff when I left. It was, it was actually a really positive experience. I'd also like walk home from there and have like a shawarma and kebabs or stop by like Hong Kong City Mall. Did you feel out of place there? No. I felt, I mean, I guess I... Uh, were you like everybody else? No, no. No, I wasn't like everybody else. Like uh, the, At one point, I was actually teaching a math class. Maybe that's why the teachers liked you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. <laughs> so... People would fight behind the Dunkin' Don or Shipley's Donuts. Would you consider yourself <laughs> to be somebody who enjoyed school? I enjoyed teachers. I enjoyed learning, but I didn't enjoy like standardized testing was always easy. Standardized testing was always easy, uh, but a lot of the a lot of curriculum sh stuff was fucking bullshit. It was fucking kindergarten bullshit. But you did enjoy the uh, art of reading. You were a reader, correct? You always, I always saw you. You had a book. Always had a book. Yeah, but a lot of those English classes, I was like sitting outside at the. I was actually skipping class, like reading, waiting for the buses. Might have got like a little buzz in between, like walking from Elsick to Hastings. You remember that long ass stretch? Of, yes. Yeah, you just light up a little doobie. Keep mentioning doobie weed. When when did you start smoking? Uh, I think the first time I ever hit it, I was like 11 or 12. I was at the pool around in my neighborhood with like an, eight, an eighth grader friend of mine, Adam Tudor. I'm just snitching everybody out today. Full <laughs> names. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Nobody likes snitches, folks. No. Nobody. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like 11. Um, what about you? Um, the first time, I think it was with you and some other people. I'm not going to reveal names. <laughs> but I, I think the first time was uh, when we were in Austin. We were in Austin. Oh. We were at a, uh, well, I think it was your friend. We're like 17. Zach. Yeah, Zach. Not to Zach, so who knows which Zach. Anyway, <laughs> so Zach's apartment, he's a UT student at the time. And we, uh, yeah, we stayed there. Y'all smoked. I hit it. But it didn't, I didn't, I, I, I'm assuming I didn't hit it right because I didn't really feel too much different. And I was like, oh, it's a mental thing. Hmm. I'm not high. But then... The first time I got high, I was with John. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. While we're still in Austin, um, do you remember? <clears throat> do you remember the infamous call from Zach after we had come back from Austin? I don't. Please. So tell uh, me. Somebody had left a uh, a dude, a, a dookie, the size of a baby's <laughs> leg, in his. <laughs> In his toilet, <laughs> just festering there for another like two weeks. 
<laughs> and uh, I, I remember, I remember you being the last. <laughs> anyway, there was no no one ever took responsibility for this. But will you tonight, <laughs> well, in the spirit of me snitching everybody out, will you admit to that baby's leg? <laughs> you know. If I could remember doing it, I would claim it. I've never unclaimed something that, especially that impressive. I've known you a long time. <laughs> I've seen your work. Uh, you know, I've, I'm not going to lie. I do recall the infamous mansion story. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that story? No. Well, you were there, right? Steve-O's friend out in fucking... Uh, by like Highway Six, uh, down some <laughs> fucking road. This was a while ago, obviously. Oh yeah, I remember. I mean, this house was humongous. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Humongous this. house. Yeah, yeah. Big ass like backyard that Maybe was like Preston there. Possibly, I don't. Uh, don't remember. I just remember it. Ginormous house, ginormous backyard, pool, gazebo, jacuzzi. Just, just you know. Yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Just a ridiculous yeah. house. Um, a music room. A room just of yeah. every instrument mm-hmm. you can think of all night. It's just crazy. Anyways. And the, and like a pool room? There was like several pool tables? I mean, it was, it was uh, obviously a seven-figure house, regardless. For whatever reason, uh, their toilets just... Uh, low flows? Low flows, because <laughs> I went in there. had to take a major, you know, number two. And I uh, flushed the toilet when I was finished, yeah. and the toilet did not work. I mean, it, I'm blaming the toilet yeah. because the toilet did not do its job. Mm. Its job is to take my shit and and move it right, right. to the sewers. Did someone so call? I can go into the ocean and people can swim in it? Like that's the purpose of the toilet. Did we have to like get out of there quick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, because then, then it was like, I was like, oh fuck, like you know, it started overflowing. Oh god! <laughs> so, so you came and got every you came because I remember every we came and got we were dropping off you know tabs yeah. for everybody. Yeah, that's right. It was it was and, a tab party. Yeah, and I was like picking up girls and like spinning them around to like get the Enhance tab going. It, yeah. yeah, and. uh and everyone was having fun. It was a great time. And then you're telling me you came to, you were like, guys, we got to go. Like, we left. <laughs> it happened. And I just, I don't know if they knew it was me. Where else would we have left? Damn. You're like a serial, just disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just for, just to note, I mean, like, I'm sorry that we went a little blue. Victor's audience out there, but uh, these are like these were pretty, you know, big moments in our lives. It was huge, yeah, you know, life altering. Yeah, first time Victor ever achieved. That was probably like the first mansion we'd ever been in. We're yeah, like punk ass little seventeen year olds, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, these things, you know, they can they can upset a young man's tummy. <laughs> so, 
the high school days that we uh, kind of shared a little bit separately, <clears throat> but then kind of joined back together post post high school. Yeah, I mean, well, we still were catching movies and such together, but they were more uh, more far between. What do you remember the most between high school and, let's say, <clears throat> turning 21, like right after high school? Hmm. Probably that felony I caught for the uh, possession of Adderall that I spent the next like six years as a fugitive on. Yeah, it was like four and a half. The reason why I did that deep breath <laughs> is because I was there when this happened. Yeah. I was was I was I driving? Yes. No, Bobby was driving. Oh yes. This was the other time <laughs> we were pulled over when coming back from Austin. <laughs> oh wait a second. Okay, so this wasn't after the the, the Duke. Uh was it after the Duke? No, this, this is after because this is. They're living in Austin at this time. Our friends are living in Austin oh, at this time. Okay, okay. So we go to visit our friends in Austin. We're coming back. Um, fuck, man, this shit's crazy. Who who is it? It's me, you, and Bobby, and John. Oh wait, was it John? No, 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 John. Yeah, I think it was just you. And I me think and Bobby. it was it John. I always think it was John. It was just me, you, and Bobby. It might have just been you. So it's me, Cheese, and Bobby uh, coming back from Austin. And are we in the tank? Oh, yeah. Our friend Bobby owned uh, a huge van, just just ginormous van. Uh, I think it was a work van. Yeah. Converted to, here you go, son. His dad was a locksmith. Like so. four fucking rows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're in this ginormous van. And, he, and, he, and he's, I think you and I had smoked, right? Mm-hmm. Corn cob pipe. And he's speeding, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Hold on. Maybe he was speeding, but the, but the thing that was like all stupid about it is that he was like jamming like Tupac or what was it? Snoop. Snoop. What was it? Sipping on gin and juice. Yeah. And he was cranking it. And when they were getting everybody's licenses, <laughs> he like did not turn it down. You know, it was like. <laughs> no, nah, I think we told him to turn it down. Oh, what do you know? Why would we not tell him that? Maybe because we're stoned. Maybe. <laughs> So anyways, the officer, why did he, did did he give him permission to search the vehicle? Like, what happened there? Uh, I think they asked, yeah, he did. But after they asked us to all step out of the car. <laughs> um. So yeah, so then uh, we step out of the car and they start going through our stuff and they find... Uh, Oh, the jacket. There was a jacket in the car that was left behind. And in that jacket was 
John's because John stayed in Austin. Uh, is that what happened? I think so. I think it was your jacket. <laughs> well, yeah, I know I had the corn cob pipe, and I stuffed that into Bobby's seats. Right, right. So he my found, jacket. Had, he found the pipe in the seats, yeah. and they also found the pills. And so they found Adderall pills in yeah. this bottle, and uh, they were like, "So whose pipe is this?" And it was your pipe. Yeah. And you did not claim the pipe. Yet, so, yet when they said, "Whose pills are these?" You claimed those so quick. Oh, yeah, those are mine. That's, those are mine. Which were felony charges. Yeah. Controlled substance. Felony yeah. charges, folks. So yeah. this man refused <laughs> to take responsibility for a misdemeanor. He refused. He said, that shit ain't mine. What the fuck you talking about? That shit ain't mine. Oh, that shit that is. But all of a sudden, <laughs> a felony gets introduced. Yeah, that's mine. I'll take it. <laughs> Give it to me. Please, right now. I want it. <laughs> Is that not what happened? Exactly. Okay. What happened. That's, what, that's not what happened. So we all went to jail. <laughs> yeah. Because nobody claimed the pipe. So it was like, fuck y'all. I'm going to charge all of y'all for the pipe. So Bobby, myself, and Cheese went to jail. And if I'm not mistaken, it was the first time any of us had been in jail. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're in this whole... This is, and we're like in buttfuck nowhere, Texas. And it's like this, the, the jail cells like right from the movies. Exactly the big old bars and shit. Yeah. And there's just some dude in there just on the phone all the time. Turns yeah. out his name is Victor. Victor... Damn, I don't remember his last name. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, you need, we're like, hey, we need to get a hold of our people. No one knows we're here. And he middlemaned like what had to have been over $100 of cold calls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he had like the phone hookup. <laughs> well, I think he just had a couple of chicks that he was banging and he would just call them and they would do it for him. Yeah. I sure was stupid. Because we called a lot of people. We even called people just to fuck around. Like had, <laughs> <laughs> Once we had actually arranged bail. Uh, well, actually, we got... No, we, we, we all just had to do a day. Except for you. Okay. You had to get bailed out. Yeah. <laughs> Who bailed you out? My pops. She was like... Three grand or something. Felonies. Fuck. It's bad. This is the first and only thing. So you're sure you didn't get bailed out by a drug dealer? Yeah. So not your pops. What? No. No, I didn't get bailed out by a drug dealer. There's plenty of other times I got locked up that I could have got bailed out by a drug dealer, but not that time. And at that time? Okay. Because yeah. I do recall one time I went to pick you up, and then we went to some Go pay off a drug dealer. Yeah, we went to his, his, his like lake house or something. Eddie. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> oh, now you remember. 
Now you remember. Yeah. Damn. Was it Jesus okay? So Christ. when when was Eddie? That time? Or? No, Eddie was like fucking like I was deep in the game then. Oh yeah, I'm tripping. This was yeah. this was like uh, uh, two years later. All over, like I'm a fugitive from this fucking case, and I'm just like fuck it. It's black market time all day, all <laughs> all all day. <laughs> And I get caught up. Right, well, let's go ahead and just transition from... Hey, forget about all that. We could talk about fucking the dark and fucking slimy days all day long. <laughs> Is there like a specific fucking adventure that you remember from those times? Okay, you said 21. 22 now. Are you fucking and got your first felony yet? Of course. <clears throat> I mean, I don't mean to say it so proudly, but <laughs> that occurred in... When I was 20. Oh, hold on. I just want to recognize how retarded my fucking first felony was. <laughs> Absolutely fucking retarded. But we can go back into its conclusion and after several more whatever the fudges. Okay, 20. What happened at fucking 20, Vic? Oh, that was when uh, I got pulled over for... I think I... I think I ran a red light. And I had just... Uh, I had just rescored and uh, was smoking a blunt. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, at the time I was living with, uh, living with a woman and uh, she was with me and she wanted to go skating. So I blame her Damn. and the skates because I hate skating. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you capable? No, no. That's why I hate it so much. Yeah. And I don't blame her. I blame myself. <laughs> so 20 years old, <clears throat> you're now on papers. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Uh, How'd you fuck it up? How long were you able to stay on papers? Because I remember I had like a year and a half before I fucked my shit up. About a year. About a year I oh, did. Oh, shit. Then I went on the run. I didn't even get a year and a half. I did like a year and a half of resets. And they didn't, then didn't like fucking go to my last one. Because I was so sure I was going to fucking get locked up. <laughs> but at least you got squared away. Okay, so with that shit. I don't know, like fucking four and a half years have passed from that point. I'm like 23. I'm like attending churches. I'm, do, I'm doing volunteer work. I'm, I'm working with like the Katy Prairie Conservancy, uh, Helping Hands Houston, which which helps um, basically women who are being human transported, uh, which is like a huge problem off of I-10 throughout the country. I-10 is like this beltway of of human transporting and uh and i was doing all this fucking volunteer work all and uh, you know uh there i there was a, a gratification out of it but it was for the exact purpose of of gradually accumulating a bunch of uh letters of of uh what i don't know what the hell you call them just character reference letters and uh, when I took them to court <clears throat> and I, sh I showed the the work that I, the 
and I had been steadily working, the judge uh, had told the first the prosecution tried to get, give me a sweetheart deal with like six months and a pea farm. And uh, then the judge was like, shit, this is like way too long out of the statute. There's no way we can do that. You got to either dismiss it or give him or give him the maximum. And uh, the the prosecution went for the maximum. And the judge was like, well, I I just can't in good. Con-. It, he actually said it insults my son, my sensibilities to send this guy to TC. So the case dismissed. How long did it take for that for that case to be dismissed from when you were charged? About four and a half years. <laughs> but you said you were a fugitive at a point, right? Yeah, yeah, for that like four and a half years. Like I, I fucked off. Uh, I actually remember getting a pretty good probation deal. It was like three years or something. And uh, I stopped going after shit. Maybe like six months. Just fucked it off. <laughs> oh, so you actually quit going to probation? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work out that good for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I made the mistake of catching another case. So that was... A shout out to our friend Mo Radwan, uh, who was the only person who went to my court. <laughs> and then ended up getting arrested and deported. This shout out is traveling all the way across the Atlantic. <laughs> because Mo is currently located in the country of England. Yeah, that's where they deported him. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the parking lot at, of the courthouse. <laughs> <sighs> that's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into what po- what what happened after the game after the many moons of doing these uh you know street pharmacy things what did you transition to after that uh cooking how did how did you find the love for uh making food mm. Uh, so after being released from prison for possession of LSD, uh, seven years, eight years after the original uh, possession of controls of uh, of the Adderall charge, after being released, uh, I worked construction for a while, and uh, it was like soul sucking work. Um, I okay, the first day, me and all the other like fresh felon recruits. We're getting uh, uh, introduced to the foreman, and the foreman asks, can anybody here read a a tape measure? And uh, I raise my hand, and he starts asking me about, you know, quarters and sixteenths and eight inches. And and, uh, I'm the only one who can read this tape measure, and... uh, so I'm I'm given all this responsibility. I'm making the same money as everybody else. And I don't know, just like after four months of this and the fucking, the miscellaneous uh, sprays that are in the air, the forklifts that are driving like, are, are going above you, the, the piping that you have to walk across that you could easily slide into and absolutely having no insurance. 
I was like, fuck this shit. So I just, uh, I don't know, for about two weeks, I was just making pasta noodles with this homemade pasta machine I had and drinking 40s. And, uh, and then my girl Zoe was like, you got to get a fucking job or I'm leaving you. Yeah, the construction is uh, something else, man. I uh, When I got out of prison, I, w- I made the same decision. Um, actually, before I went in when I was up now. For yeah, the first time I got out, I uh, applied to a union. Shout out to local two eleven. Two eleven pipe fitters. Um, yeah, so I did that. The money was good, but the pain and the danger was real. I recall dropping a piece of pipe on my foot. A three hundred pound piece of pipe on my foot. Yes, I did have steel toe boots, but it hit me in the area where there was no steel toe coverage. Uh, I remember that you you were bruised up, bruised up, yes, but there was no breaking of the bone. I had i I was given uh, I was given control over a massive wet saw. And I had, I was like, I had no experience with this. Uh, I didn't fuck it up, though. It was like, it's like, fuck the bullshit. <laughs> I, I need my thumbs. Yeah, I don't recall. Let me see. <clears throat> In terms of, like, this big, powerful machinery, I don't recall using too much stuff of that nature. I mean, I used a grinder to grind up some pipe. How about like the black shit that would get all up in your nose? Did you get that? I wore masks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, a small amount of welding and blowtorch action. Very small amount. Low soldering action. Uh, well, if people don't want to hear about us fabricating <laughs> bullshit, they that is true but not to knock construction it just sucks (laughs) fuck like i don't want to be out even okay even if i'm not even outside i'm inside there's no ac it's new construction it's fucking 100 and something degrees it's like 110 120 sweating balls i mean you're wearing thick clothes to protect you from the shards of shit coming at you you're fucking wiping yourself down with gritty soap at the end your arms and face just uh it's terrible yeah yeah it's a fucking fucked up life so yeah at least low level at least low level construction workers i mean i did that a couple years and then i was like you know what i can't do it no more can't do it yeah man yeah yeah so i started flipping burgers where did you do uh, start? Goddamn, thirty years old, fucking twenty nine. Oh yeah, twenty nine. Because I remember singing to myself, you know, I turned twenty nine in prison, <laughs> doing life down parole. <laughs> I started working at Moon Tower because I thought they made their own sausages, and they do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you found that out before you interviewed, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, after. 
Why does that matter? Because you want to get, well, you want to gain a skill when you go to a place. So you wanted to become a sausage maker? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. I didn't. So I wanted to gain a technique that was accessible to someone who got out of fucking luck. I'm not going to go and like learn at a French fucking restaurant or, you know, I'm going to learn how to smoke. I'm going to low, I'm going to learn low culinary techniques. I'm going to learn, learn the common man's fucking food, which I figured would be barbecue. So did it work? Yeah. Did you get what you wanted at uh, Moon Tower? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, but I was there for two years, and uh, I learned a lot of stuff there. Um, not necessarily about food, but maybe like working with people. And then uh, after that, I went and started challenging my mind and my abilities with uh, random places and uh, I had a lot of failures and a few successes, and the successes were were noteworthy. But what is it about cooking that is uh, so attractive for you? Um, you know, I kind of told, I kind of gave myself a uh, something of a resolution with learning the craft of cooking. Uh, uh, it's it fills a lot of personal criteria. It allows me to have a craft. Allow allows me to have a medium of expression. It allows me to explore uh, history, which is a, a subject that I'm passionate about. Um, it allows me to uh, explore a- actual sensory aspects, whether that's in the act of cooking. Uh, or in its consumption. Uh, so there's just so much contemplation that's possible with it. But aside from all that, I always told myself, if I could ever become a chef, then I could also become a writer. Hmm. Um, I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't... I mean, you were a writer before you were a chef i think that so I, that, that's why you can say that because you were already writing <clears throat> but somebody who's a chef and who's only trying to become <clears throat> a cook slash chef or just really focusing on food it does not mean they can become a writer just on a whim no you know what they read this fucking <laughs> James Patterson. You're book right. Yes, you're right. But for oh, me, I'll be a writer because I'm a chef. Okay, you're right. I <laughs> I did write. I I had written quite a bit before. I'd written quite a bit before uh, I became a chef, but I hadn't felt like I had developed. I feel like I hadn't given my. I hadn't had like a period of contemplation in my writing. It was all like, um, you know, free th- uh, flowing thought. It wasn't a true sense of, of, of the structure that I want to project. It wasn't like my voice so much as it was just my consciousness. So it changed your style. It made you more creative. 
I think it's given me more focus as a writer. Yes. That's good. That's good. Sorry. <laughs> uh, speaking of your writing, uh, what have you been writing recently? Oh, just a little, just a little ditty. A little ditty. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's a playful little uh, harken to our uh, uh, to our inspired past. Um, uh, it's a it's a little project called the leaf. Uh, are you working on that with somebody? Or are you working on that solo? Um, totally solo project. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Victor, you're my co-writer on this, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll keep you up to date as we submit the publication. Yes, uh, the leaf. A work in progress. <laughs> TV show. Coming soon. Slash drama, slash reality show, slash uh, documentary. <laughs> There's too many labels, man. Just put it under comedy. Ah. It's supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> it just because it's in the comedy section doesn't mean it, like everybody has to laugh. That's right. So it's all good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> was that me or was that you? That was you. <laughs> the that human body you. is yeah. capable of creating some unique noises. <laughs> um, so the cooking... The Moon Tower. So we're at Moon Tower. We're making the burgers and sausages, and then we go past that. Where do we go after Moon Tower? What? Where is the next step of evolution for Ivan Cheese Man? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so my fiance has a friend who is working at a very prestigious restaurant. Uh, well, actually, even before that, uh, there's a, a, a chef named Chef Grant who has a restaurant called Bernadine's that was in the Heights. And it was this uh, beautiful, uh, this beautiful spread of all kinds of uh, Southern uh, American cooking, a lot of tradition, a lot of traditional stuff and a lot of uh, new American stuff. And he had uh, just uh, battalions. Like I never saw so many people in a kitchen and just uh, massive pieces of equipment and sectors. And um, yeah, I just had a chance to go in there and completely humiliate myself. And after I had like learned a few things, I went to uh, uh, I went to Southern Goods and and. Uh, 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 chef Lyle uh, was an amazing and grace, gracious chef, and uh, he showed me so much. And as well as um, as Chef JD and uh, and Chef Figus, uh, they were just really great, gracious, and amazing uh, examples of chefs, and so informative. And they really tried to mentor. 
uh, unfortunately, I, I sucked at that point as well. Uh, so after about a month, they, they, uh, they kicked me to the streets. And uh, then I worked at a, on a food truck where I told her about these experience. I, she asked me about why didn't I, why was I missing like two months of experience of work experience? And I told her, I just got done, like getting my ass kicked. And I remember like asking for some really humble, like $11 an hour or something. And she immediately gave me like two fifty, And that in and of itself was one of the best and um, difficult experiences I ever had. I ended up walking away after six months uh, really because I was doing so much work and also had to basically like do the marketing for it. And it was just, uh, I, I wasn't at a point in my career where I could be multifaceted like that. It, uh, it, it was a great opportunity. I, I really wish I, I had followed through with Shakti. She's doing amazing stuff now. Uh, check out Edda's Little Kitchen uh, or Edda's Kitchen HTX. And uh, let's see here. After that, I went to fucking India, which was amazing because they have all the fucking flavor of the world. And then came back and became a sous chef for uh, Murdoch's Backyard Pub, which won Houston's best restaurant in the suburbs the first year, and then Houston's second best restaurant in the suburbs the second year. Shout out to Sarah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I do recall going out there in the very, very infant stages before it even opened. Whoa. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah yeah didn't you like interview for bar manager I did <laughs> you know what the thing was about that they thought you were too fancy you came in there with your suit you gotta come ready to play yeah yeah but they're they were like country folk they're like they're like quaint I didn't know that yeah well I'm sure that's really offensive to our listeners <laughs> <laughs> We don't mean to offend, <laughs> only to entertain. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is quaint? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, my lord. <laughs> Do you ever watch, like, cooking shows? Do you get inspiration from that? Or is everything you get from what you've learned in the past? Uh, there's a lot of amazing cooking shows. Um, but it's kind of, I don't know. I think you reach, I think, I think at a certain point in a chef's career, the, the thing that's enjoyable is the actual act. And, uh, sometimes, I don't know, it's, you know, you're like having a good time when, when you just like, can't, you can't like stop watching the thing transform and you're just getting this like sense of satisfaction as you like as you poke it and then you like finally get that like where it gives and you're like oh yeah do you ever cook so much at work that you don't want to cook at home every day yeah (laughs) i don't ever want to cook at home no god please don't make me cook at home I know I have to cook. I got to cook. But some. to me, that doesn't make any sense because I always talk to the chefs where I've always worked and I'm always like, do you cook at home? They're like, no, God, no. <laughs> it's like, what? But you cook for a living. Did you get tired of it? 
How can you get tired of something you love? When you're in an industrial environment, you can just fucking throw a hose at it or fucking have a dishwasher or someone else like clean it. But that's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> he literally goes, if I cook here, I got a guy washing the dishes. I got a guy cutting the potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to do shit. Yeah. So you're spoiled. <laughs> you get spoiled at the restaurant. No. So, you, yes. That's yeah. what that's what it sounds like what you said it's, from what they said. You got a guy who washes the dishes. You got a guy who cuts the potatoes and peels them. All you do is put that shit in the pan, make it beautiful, make it tasty, and fucking eat it. And that's it. Or you actually the other people eat it. But sometimes you get you do that shit for yourself. I know y'all eating good. <laughs> Kitchen stay eating good. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to eat. You got to know what the you got to know what the customers having. For real. Make so sure it has know. nothing to do with being hungry. Oh no, that is, <laughs> that as well. But don't think we can just like pick out, man. It's like it's, I mean, you eat. You got to move. But you're eating. Yeah, if you eat a full fucking meal, though, you gotta you're gonna have to stop and drop a, a duke. <laughs> Can't go down like that. I mean, at the end of the day, you got your rush hour. You just gotta be available for the rush hour. You do your little prep beforehand to get ready for the rush hour, and then once the rush hour is over, you refill it. Hey, how's your shit going right now? At the new place? Yeah. The new place is uh, starting to pick up. They decided to do like a soft opening and not take a lot of reservations because they didn't want to give anybody a bad experience. And now they're starting to let the floodgates open. Like they're taking as many reservations now and starting to get a lot of walk-ins because people don't know about it. And they prefer to do it word of mouth style, where the buildup is just kind of gradual. But currently, it's basically just like a lot of Houston elite that go there. And uh, in that same building, <clears throat> this is already common, common knowledge. Uh, in that same building, on the first floor, they're making just a ridiculous fancy antique bar like it's supposed to be modeled after like the polo club in new york um they're importing a really expensive antique bar from somewhere and uh i mean it's just gonna be high-end everything only gonna sit like 50 people uh that's pretty exciting Think the, I'm trying to think of the name of the place. I can't recall. Um, but yeah, it should be. What sh- kind of stuff's going on at your restaurant? Like, what's the what's the wine list like? What's the food like? What's the what's the bar? What's cocktails like? I mean, the bar scene is popping right now. That's probably the hottest spot. The bar scene. It's a nice big bar. Um. Food is a, like a Southwest, uh, little Mexican influence. Um, also, with a little bit of American twist. So, I mean, you got you got lamb and fillet, but you also have like chicken enchiladas. Uh, 
the snapper dish is a little bit different. Uh, comes like in a little poblano pepper, pumpkin seed broth with some sautéed crab meat and zucchini. Uh, the crab cake is incredible. But uh, kind of the two things that are going the most are your crab tostadas and bacon-wrapped quail. Uh, it's got some jalapeno inside the stuffing, so it's it's good stuff, good stuff. Uh, definitely encourage everybody to stop by. It's called The Annie, located in the Galleria area here in Houston, Texas. For those of you listening uh, all over the country, when you come to Houston, stop by, say hello. More than likely, I'll be there. And if I'm not there, have a seat. <laughs> Sit at the bar, have a cocktail. They also do Helene's, right? You do what now? The uh, restaurant group. Uh, don't they do another restaurant? Oh, yes. So the Annie is a reincarnation of Cafe Annie, uh, which closed down for renovations, now opened up with partnership with uh, Benjamin Berg, uh, owner of B&B Butchers. And uh, BB Italia, BB Lemons. Um, so if you've been to BB Butchers, you know that this establishment is uh, top notch and ran by a, a great, uh, great management staff. So that's what's up. Yeah, it should be one of the the next popping spots. Uh, it's good starting at the ground floor. A little bit different. You know, you get to see. Every little thing change or the development of a system. And being there from the ground floor, it's like like you're helping in in the creation and, and molding process, you know. It's, spe- it's, it's special. It's a special uh, event to be a part of. That's what's up. <laughs> It sounds like you're mocking me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Isn't it one day your uh, dream to have your own restaurant? Yeah. What would be the name of it? <clears throat> Kessel? <laughs> um, let's see here. Which one? San Luis Barbecue. No, it has to have queso in it. <laughs> queso some... can't be on the menu? It has to be on the menu. <laughs> cheese is in every r- restaurant. Something <laughs> has cheese. Right? Well, yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's pretty safe to say, with the exception of maybe... Vegan? Yeah. Fuck them. I'm just kidding, <laughs> vegans. I'm just kidding. They have their kinds of fermented. I know a couple of good vegans out there. Shout out to the vegans. Well, you guys are okay. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> you know what? The other day, I uh, for the first time ever had some uh, like Tofu? a vegan sausage. Okay, so no, not hating on the vegans. Was it vegan sausage or was it vegetarian sausage? No. Okay, so I'm not hating on the vegans, but. 
Prime vegan sausage. What is the point of mimicking not? What is the point of mim- mimicking meat? Yeah, mimicking meat. Why not just like because celebrate you're, the? You're obviously opposed to eating animals. So, you, uh, so it's kind of like a proselytization. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. You're like trying to. It's a like a way for people to have an uh, uh, to be able to con- be converted. It's like using the uh, the the pagan symbol uh, symbols of a culture uh, by like the Catholic Church to to bring him in. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know your your fucking ridiculous banter. I, I don't even know what we're talking about. We're we we're just talking about you need to lose focus. Fucking vegan sausages. Vegan sausages. Um, yeah. Um, everything I had ever eaten in the past that was vegan or veg or you know meat substitute was always so terrible. So terrible. But. The spaghetti that I had with like the vegan sausage and the meat, you know, so-called fake meat sauce was delicious. It, it was delicious. And apparently they're growing these meats in labs now and it's delicious and it tastes just like meat. Well, fuck, let's do it. You know, let's do it. Like, who, is, who, who has eaten this fucking fake meat sauce or this fake meats? Who's eating the fake meats? The, the people. Who? The what, people doing what, the research on this shit. I don't. I don't get paid to do research on this shit, so I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, you got. What about the fucking the Whopper, the ultimate Whopper? What is it? What is it called? No, the uh, uh, the fucking Miracle Whopper or some shit. Yeah, I think it's the ultimate. Know. What? Regardless, it's this fucking Whopper. That you know what's is, a perfectly delicious vegetarian now, no dish? No meat in it, but it tastes like the Whopper. Have you tried it? No. I'm going to try it. I want to see what, what it's all about. I think I might get one. <laughs> <laughs> because at the end of the day, guess what? Huh. I've always said that if it tastes good, I'll eat it. Regardless, if I'm eating uh, if I'm eating gerbil, if I'm eating snake, if I'm eating testicles, like if I'm eating it and it's sautéed with a little bell pepper, some garlic, onion, whatever, and it's delicious, I'm eating it. If it's not killing me, if it's good for me, I'm going to eat it. So if you make this fucking burger that is made out of whatever the fuck that's not meat, and it's delicious, I'm going to eat it. I have no problem with that. No problem with that. That's what's up. It is what's up. It's what's up. (laughs) It's the future, man. At the end of the day, here's the thing. Everybody wants to cry about the animal. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll eat anything. But those, my point is, it's like, unless you're, the only rationale I can see is proselytizing, trying to convert people. But you can celebrate the, you can celebrate a thing for its own flavors. You don't need to like try and create. You can have perfectly, a man, Hindu, vegetarian, culture has a lot of vegan recipes because those people that culture knows how to to season and that's ultimately my point is it's not necessary there's lots of techniques you're saying meat's not necessary no uh trying to uh recreate its its uh texture 
It's this was this vegan meat that you had for spaghetti. Um, was it uh, was it the lab cultured meat? I, I don't know. Is that fucking convincing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> I don't think it came from a lab. Oh, yeah, it came from it. the store. Yeah, yeah. And it was good. I mean, you think about it. I mean, at the end of the day, if we got shit where you can fucking take a camera and connect it to somebody's brain and they can see out of this camera. Why shouldn't you be able to make vegan sausage? You can grow ears on rats. (laughs) And that's like old technology. All this shit's old technology. Like... You're saying we should just grow ears out of rats and make sausages out of them? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know what they're doing, man. Like... At the end of the day, we have the technology to do so much crazy ass shit. You know, we're definitely not taking advantage of what technology can do. But at the same time, we're not able to actually evolve as humans fast enough with technology. I mean, it's just even though we're pushing, we're pushing, creating this uh, artificial intelligence and cyborgs did you see that like china's leading on the ai right now that's because china doesn't give a fuck what you think they're doing like heinous experiments yes they're (laughs) super super babies what genetically altered super babies damn you think we'll see them soon like they'll be like they're all stars in in china (laughs) They're completely under wraps. Yeah, that's probably, that's smart. If I were China, I would like send them to other countries. Spies, you know, whatever. But people be like, "Man, that's a handsome motherfucking Chinese guy here in India." You is what you do. <laughs> so you got like a thousand, right? Like a thousand yeah. super duper Chinese China's definitely- super soldiers. They all look the same. I bet they but they're have, all super soldiers. I bet like, they have like another three or four thousand that weren't quite as badass. Yeah, they're probably like yeah, probably like two or three thousand and cut it down to one thousand. So you got one thousand super soldiers, six five, like two twenty, runs a four one forty, bench press fifteen hundred kind of like semi you know, bench presses three hundred pounds. Six, just just a genetic, you know, jumps out to gym, just a genetic freak, and you send them all over the world to just get information, and eventually they're going to be strategically placed, and they're going to do something, probably destroy all the leaders. What the fuck? <laughs> We'll get you, China. <laughs> no, nah, this does not sound like a good plan. <laughs> no, China's better than that. But they'll still have super soldiers. Yeah. They could, be, they could still be strategically placed, just like indefinitely for their needs. You know? No, maybe. I don't know. That just seems so far-fetched. That's the wormholes that happen here kind of feel like we're just starting to talk about bullshit yep i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up let's do it uh folks thanks for joining in 
Uh, I'm sorry for the delay. It had been too long. But uh, I'll be back sooner than later. You have my word. Cheese, any closing remarks? Thank you for your time. God bless America. God bless America.